You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, hey, we're continuing our series first and ten, and we're talking about the Ten Commandments, and we're in week four or five. I don't remember now. Y'all remember? We're along the way. So today we're going to be talking about resting. And how many of y'all need to rest a little bit? Yeah, you need to like, hey, you're already thinking about your lunch and Sunday afternoon nap. Some of you, I know that that is uh, church and, and napping on Sunday or some for some of you are kind of both religious experiences. And so um, I understand that at our house, the same is true as well. So if you don't know anything about me, one of the things that I am pretty religious about is planning. I love to plan and have take time to plan and have calendar and task managers and notifications and reminders and all that stuff. And, and most of the time it's good, but there are times that it can get a little annoying when you start getting all this stuff. And with all the newfangled technology we have with your iPhones and Androids and watches and all that stuff, stuff comes across. And even sometimes you get texts from people during, during message and things like that. That happens. But we, I'm a, I am a planner. And so I love to plan. And one of the things that um, I was trying to do a few years back is re- my planning is usually related to goals that I set for myself that, hey, I want to accomplish this this year and do that. And so to be able to accomplish those goals, you have to plan out how you're going to achieve them. And so one year, my goal was that on a weekly basis, I was going to take my wife out on a date. Now, that's a pretty good thing, right? I mean, hey, we were having young kids kind of going around, scattering and moving in all different directions. And we realized, hey, in a few years, these kids are going to be gone. And we actually still want to like each other at the end of that, that we're not so busy chasing kids that we don't know each other. And so we decided, hey, we want to be able to do that. And so I planned it out. And with this newfangled technology, I planned it on my calendar. Well, you know you can share your calendars, right? And so I wanted to make sure that my wife would be at those dates with me, that I wouldn't just have a date and show up and it just be me, but I wanted her to be there. And so I thought the most wonderful, romantic thing that I could possibly do was to plan these dates, just put them on a continual every Friday night. We're going to have a date, honey. That's going to be exciting. You're going to look forward to this and all that. And so I planned it. I put it on the calendar, blocked off more than enough time and shared it with her. And you know what she did? She declined it. She didn't just decline one. She declined two. She declined three. I mean, I, my, I was literally in tears in Starbucks in Littleton, Colorado, because my r- planned dates, romantic evenings every Friday, my dreams, my hopes were crumbling before me with X every declined date. So we got home and I, we had a little discussion. And I said, you know, you hurt my heart today. I had planned out all these dates. You know, this is something we've talked about. And she said, listen, if you ever put another date of ours on the calendar for six years from now on the calendar, that is not a romantic thing. Like, just don't. Let's talk about it one week at a time. And I'm like, ah, okay. So now, you know, when you see my wife, you tell her, hey, do you have a date planned in three years? Because we haven't been on a date since. I mean, it just hurt my heart so much. We just, no, I'm kidding. We still try to date each other. It is hard to do, right? If you're a couple and you've got busyness going on, to find time 
for that. And that's one of the reasons that we plan is we have to be intentional because if we're not intentional with our time, it goes away really quickly. And all of a sudden you wake up and you've been months, weeks, years, and you haven't done some of the things that you wanted to do because you haven't been intentional about it. Even today, some of you are thinking about, hey, I want to go eat some Christian chicken because you just kind of get that stuff. And so you're going to be driving by Chick-fil-A and you get the craving and you go by and you can't have Christian chicken. Why? Because they're closed on Sunday. Right? You know that the, many of the business people tell them you need to open up on Sunday because you're losing billions and billions of dollars. And they would say, hey, the research also shows us that our employees stick around longer because we're off on Sunday. Because our employees know that we care about them and see them more as just a commodity, but we see them as people. And so we give them a regularly scheduled day off once a week that they know that they don't have to think about Christian chicken. That they can go be themselves, that their identity is not Chick-fil-A, but their identity is in themselves. That they happen to work at this place, and they're better employees because they know every single week they get at least one day off. In other words, the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, based it upon his faith, and he said, that is one thing, I will give up a dollar so that my employees have an opportunity once a week to go worship and to spend time with their family and do the good deeds that they're called to do. Well, this morning, that's what we're going to talk about, this idea of Sabbath and what it means to rest in a world that is even more and more, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have to be intentional about creating opportunities for rest. I completely understand. One of the benefits of online church is that as we kind of keep track of what things are going on, we see people watching church on Tuesday at midnight, which may not seem like the most opportune time for some of us. But for some, if they're doing shift work, that's the best time. And so opportunities to worship and be a part of a community happen now in different ways because of church online. Right. And so but in that we have to create opportunities for ourselves in a 24 hour a day, seven day a week busyness to be intentional about resting and stopping and spending time alone with our family and with the Lord, because we cannot squeeze it all in. I know that we try. We try to cram it all in and even find things and you put appointments over appointments and you hope that one appointment will cancel and all that because we're just trying to cram it all in. What does this idea of Sabbath mean? Sabbath comes from the word Shabbat, which means to rest, to cease, or to stop. So some of you, the very moment that you cease, rest, and stop, you fall asleep in your recliner. You've seen it, right? You're just busy, 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 and then all of a sudden you just stop, and your body just stops. You just rest, and you fall asleep in the ground because you're just going all the time. Well, let's look at what Exodus chapter 20 Verse 8 and following says about rest. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. To remember is an opportunity for us to think back to, to kind of observe and to recognize. And two things that he's, God's wanting us to remember by keeping the Sabbath day. One is creation. That he is the creator. We know that he's the right God. He's the creator God. So we remember him. But then we also remember his works. We remember that we've come from Egypt to part from slavery to now we're in a place of freedom. So we remember two things. One, he's the creator and we're not, that we're, that we're not God, that he is, and that also he is our salvation. And that salvation comes from him and he is the one that's done the work and completed the work for our salvation. Therefore, we get to rest on his behalf. Interesting, isn't it? So remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, which means that we that's a day for us to worship and to give him praise and honor. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. 
Now, as many times when we think about work, we're not excited about work. We think about it being labor and just kind of like, oh, I got to go to work. But in reality, the thing is, is that work should be something that's fulfilling for us. That work was actually given to us as a privilege and an honor and a life-giving thing before the fall. Adam was given work before the fall. He was to tend the garden and enjoy that experience. He was cursed. His work was cursed after the fall. It would become labor-intensive. Many of you have jobs, you have work that you do, and you enjoy it. There's moments where maybe you don't, but you're fulfilling your passion, you're fulfilling your purpose. You go to work and it's not working. Does that make sense? And that is what it should be like, is that there's in that, that we're going to work and we're fulfilling how God has created us. And that's what, here, what Jesus, or God is talking about here. He says, you have six days to complete the ordinary work, which should be life-giving to you. But on the seventh day... You're going to be resting. The day of Sabbath is a day of rest, to cease, to cease, to to just stop and dedicate that to the Lord your God. That moment of just resting. And so you're doing that today. If you're here today, whether you're in seat or online, and you're pausing for a moment, you're resting your soul and your mind. Now, some of you are already thinking about, what am I going to have for lunch? What's my nap going to be like? You're thinking about, you're already planning, you got your groceries and all that stuff. You need to cease and to stop. For some of us, that means that one of the ways that we can do that is we turn off our phones and hide them. And we don't have them around for take your watch off and hide from them for a few hours so that your mind can know there's other stuff going on and the world does not need me. See, we think that we're the savior or that we're indispensable. There's those moments we just need to stop and to just be who we are and rest in him. On that day, that Sabbath day, no one in your household may do any work. So that means your teenagers and your kids are like, yes, no chores, right? So your kids, if they get this, they understand, hey, this will be a good day. I don't have to do anything. Maybe homework. Maybe parents, we need to have our kids do their homework not on Sunday. Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants. So see here, you see equality. God is about equality. So everyone in the household, as the leader of the household, you're responsible for creating opportunities, intentional opportunities for people to rest. Your livestock should rest and any foreigners living among you. Again, this is gospel stuff. If salvation is not dependent upon your work, you can rest. If your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone, you can rest because you're not worried about what you're producing because you have opportunities to rest because you find your hope and identity in Jesus. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the seas, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. Now surely God didn't need to rest. If God is God, he didn't need to rest. But he is our model for six days, do your ordinary work, which all of us would agree that the creation of the universe was an ordinary work, but it is ordinary work for God. But for us to do the ordinary work and on the seventh day to rest, he rested from all of that so that he could be a model for us. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, the Shabbat day, and he set it apart as a holy day, an opportunity for us to be reminded. Now think about this. He could have given us one day of work and six days of rest. Which sounds good. But when I talk to people that are retired, 
like one week in, they're like, I am bored out of my mind. I am now busier than I, as a retired person than I was before because now I'm pursuing things that I'm passionate about. A lot of times that's kids and grandkids and woodwork, whatever it may be. You find yourself busier. Why? Because you're pursuing things that you want to do and you're reminded of the fact that work was given to us to be fulfilling and it's a joy when you find that kind of work. God could have given us six days to rest, but he says, listen, I need you to do six days of work fulfilling purposeful things and on the seventh day rest and be reminded of the fact that that's not your identity your identity is in me that i created you i created this work for you and that i redeemed you and brought you out and the work of salvation is done and complete in me so whose idea is sabbath well obviously it's god's god is a god that's a working god and a resting god we see that in genesis chapter 2 verse 2 where obviously he worked and then he rested Again, we saw God told Adam that to go to work in the garden before the fall. Again, work was something that was given to Adam, and it was a gift for him. Your job, your work, the things that you do that you're passionate about, that is a gift to you. That he's given that to you to pursue it and to go do it. How's the Sabbath then been practiced? The Sabbath in the old days was practiced. Genesis God, again, worked six days, and then he rested on the seventh. Adam worked six days in the garden, and then he rested, he and Eve. Even as the people were coming out of Egypt, what happened? On six days, they received manna, and on the sixth day, they received twice as much so that on the seventh day of their journey, they would stop and they would rest. And they would rest from the journey, and also they didn't have to cook, they didn't have to prepare, because they'd done all that work on the sixth day. Again, this pattern in the Old Testament of six days of working, and on the seventh day to rest, to remember the Sabbath day and to remember the one who's created it and God given you freedom. Even see, the Sabbath day was a day to be holy, a day for us to worship and to rest and that remember who he is. And it's for everybody, right? For the boss, for the workers. You see that at Chick-fil-A. Everyone benefits from it. Jesus was the one that was challenging this in the New Testament. The religious people had come up with all these different rules and some crazy different things that you could and couldn't do. And even one of the rules that they said for work is that if you killed a fly, you couldn't swat the fly because that was work. But if you caught the fly in your hand, you could pull off each single leg. I know that's gross, but that was not work. All right. There's if your kid falls in a Take care of an ox. Your ox could not do work. If your ox falls in, what are you going to do? And so all these different things, they had all these religious rules for saying, this is work, this is not work, and you had to try to figure all this stuff out. And so as Jesus was going about doing his ministry, the religious people were always questioning him and saying, why are you doing these certain things? And Jesus reminded them the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man so that man could rest. And so Jesus, all throughout his ministry, is helping us understand what it means for us to have a moment of resting. You even see in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus um, heals, heals someone, and uh, in the, right outside of the of garden, it's a Sabbath day, they're there for worship, people are gathered around, and he reaches out and he touches a guy with a deformed hand and says, hey, be healed. Well, immediately the religious people said, hey, you can't do that on the Sabbath day. That's like saying, hey, somebody come here on, comes to church on Sunday and they have something going on. And for whatever reason, someone comes up and prays over them and maybe they're not able to walk. And someone prays over them, they get up and they walk out and someone else goes, hmm, no, that can only happen on Tuesday. 
Right? That's how ludicrous the rules were that Jesus was dealing with. In Luke chapter 13, a woman who had been crippled for 18 years was healed and walked out. And people were like, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. Like, listen, freedom comes when freedom comes. Jesus is like, there is no better day to do that and no better place for that to happen than here in the synagogue. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus even asked him the question, would you save your ox or save your son on the Sabbath? If your son fell into a well on sun at Sabbath and you look down in the well and you're like, my son's there, but it's the Sabbath. I can't work. So you're just going to throw some bread over. Hey, I'll come back tomorrow. Hopefully that's enough. I'll come back tomorrow. Again, the ludicrousness of this working thing and that Jesus is saying, you need to reset your mind that Sabbath is made for rest. But sometimes life happens. And you've got to do what you've got to do. And don't worry about whether it's work. You're bringing life in that moment. How can we then leave out the Sabbath? I'm sure none of you are worried about your ox falling in or anything like that. Or hopefully none of your kids are falling in wells or anything. But how do we live that out today? Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, Paul gives us this thing. We see all throughout Scripture that there's wise living and there's foolish living. And foolish living in Scripture is that someone has knowledge. They've been given the opportunity to know the truth and they choose to go in the opposite direction. And so here Paul is using that language. He's saying, listen, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. You've been given wisdom. You've been given knowledge. You have the right information in front of you, but you've chosen to go in the opposite direction. But live like those who are wise. In other words, those that have received the information and are following through on it. You've made a plan. You've gotten the information and you're following through your steps. You're intentional. Make the most of every opportunity in the days because the days are evil. Now that word, those words, make the most, literally means to buy back, to corner the market, to redeem it. So redeem, buy back your time, be intentional, and make intentionality with every opportunity that you have because the days are short. As followers of Jesus, we need to make the most of our opportunities. So that's why it was important for me to redeem the time and buy back time from other things so I could spend important time with my wife. Because you think, that was 13, 14 years ago? Guess what? I've got a college junior and a high school junior, and in two years, it's freedom, baby. Seriously. I won't tell you. I mean, we're going to have fun. We're going to be gone. We're going to be cruising. I'll be back on Sundays. But we're going to be moving, right? I mean, we've got things. We've got dreams. Why? Because when we're on our dates, we're talking about it. All the different things that we're going to do. We're going to get a motorcycle. I mean, every, all these things, right? Opportunities. We are going to redeem the time and our kids are going to be out doing their thing. For us, we have to be intentional about our time. Choose those things because life is, seasons are always changing and you have to prepare for those things. You reap what you sow. Right? So if you're sowing different things here, you're going to reap that over here. If you're worried about your finances in the future, you need to be sowing now so that you have in the future. Right? So how do we live that out today? Well, one is we just, we gather for worship. We do this. I love the beauty of online church, but there is something about the power of presence. There's something about us being together and hearing others sing with us. I mean, I know it's comfy in your jammies, right? Be able to do that. I was even kind of reminiscent with some of the staff this week. And I said, you know, there are days that I enjoy preaching at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night to a camera so that I can be in my jammies on a Sunday. But there's power in presence. 
Even in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, we gather together as a community. It's encouragement for us. We fellowship together. We share in meals. Some of you are going to do that afterwards. We share together in the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do today, and in prayer. We do things together that identify us as a family. We gather together as a family. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. That as we come together, we get to encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is drawing near. Listen, it is difficult to be a human in today's culture. 24-7 lifestyle, 24-7 noise in our ear and before our eyes of all kinds of stuff. And so this opportunity for us to gather together with people that we're saying, listen, we're going to stop and we're going to cease and we're going to desist and we're just going to pause and we're going to rest and our focus isn't going to be on all this other stuff around me, but my focus is going to be on an audience of one and that audience of God. And I'm just going to be before him and just clap and praise and focus on the fact that he's my creator and he's given me the life. He sustains my life and provides for my life and he's provided for my salvation and he's done all the work and I'm here rejoicing in that work and I have done nothing but say yes to the gift that he's given me. But that's an opportunity for us to cease and to rest and to stop. So why do we gather in this moment? We buy back time. We have to be intentional about our time together. To set aside and say, listen, Sunday morning is my time for worship. I am going to be here. Saturday, whenever it is, I need to be intentional about that. You also get to rest from your labor. It's a good time to just rest and to be able to do that. In Nehemiah, even chapter 13, as the people were beginning to understand they'd lost the laws, they'd lost the truth of God's word, and Nehemiah had set that back before them, and they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem and rebuilt the walls. And, and one of the mistakes that they made early on was they didn't close the walls on sap for Sabbath, and they would let merchants in to sell things, and so the people were drawn to buy and to sell, and so the exchange of market continued. And Nehemiah raised his hand from afar and sent a note and said, listen, I'm hearing word that you're not honoring the Sabbath. You need to honor the Sabbath. Close up the gates. The merchants will wait. I guarantee you, they want to make money. They will be there the next morning to sell to you. Matter of fact, they may travel from far. They will wait outside the gate and be there. As soon as the gates open, they will be there. But you need to close the gates. Listen, this is a truth for us. We need to close the gates and just stop. The merchants will be there. Maybe for some of us, we just need to take even Amazon off our phones and cease and desist. Take Facebook off our phones and cease and desist. Take Instagram off. Our, I mean, turn off and remove the TV from the Whatever you need to do to cease and desist and just stop and rest. Here's what researchers are telling us. The reason that we don't like quiet, the reason that we don't like to stop is because in those moments it begins to get quiet. And we're with ourselves. We're with our deep inner thoughts. We're with our souls. And what our souls are telling us is that we're not, we don't know who we are. And we're struggling with life. We're struggling with anxiety. We're struggling with depression. We're struggling with all these things. And one of the main reasons is, is because we do not stop and desist and cease from all activity. The reason that we're running and going is because we don't want to stop and be with ourselves.
because we don't like who we are and we're struggling. We don't know what our identity is. And one of the main reasons that God tells us to stop and to cease is so that we can sit before him and be reminded of whose we are, that we are his. We're not our job. We're not all these different things. Those roles and all those things are important. They help define us. But the most important thing that defines us is our relationship with God through Christ. And we need to be reminded of that. We're not what we're produced. We are who we are in Christ. And so sometimes we just need to close the gates so that we can rest from our labor. Last thing that I want you to get is this, that even Jesus tells us the very things that we're teaching, that Jesus teaches, is that the things that I teach you are different from what the other religious teachers are telling you. They've got all these different laws of things you can and can't do on the Sabbath, and I'm telling you, those things remove those things. They've gotten so caught up in trying to be religious that they've lost the focus. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11, he says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I know that's everybody in this room in different seasons, right? Maybe even right now. And what will he do? If you bring these things to him, what will he do? Give you rest. Because he takes them off of you. He receives it. As Peter even says, cast them. Cast your worries, your cares. Cast them away and I will receive them. But here's the cool thing. He, Jesus continues that thought and he says, take my yoke upon you. And when we think of yoke, we think of the old days of oxen and all those things, and they had a yoke upon them, right? And so that yoke, what does it do? It steers them and guides them with the reins, okay? So here Jesus is saying, take my yoke, so put on my thing, because when I put my yoke upon you, it's the teaching, okay? So in those days, whenever you had a yoke, a rabbi or a teacher or a preacher was teaching, the things that they were teaching was the yoke that they were placing upon you that was guiding your life. Make sense? The reins and guiding. And so as we're teaching Scripture here together, you're receiving the yoke of the Scripture that Chris is passing on to you. And if you receive it in the spirit of what Jesus is saying, it will bring rest to your soul. Okay? Because it's not burdening down with rules and regulations. It's giving you the gospel of Jesus Christ and understanding that the work of salvation is done in Christ, not in checking off rules. So what Jesus is saying, receive my yoke, my teaching, and let them guide you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Salvation comes not in our work and the things that we do, try to keep skills. It's in Him. We just receive the gift And begin to live in it. And to live out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And the last thought is for us as followers of Jesus. Is that we get a special rest. The moment that we breathe our last breath here. We get to rest. We get to spend eternity with our Father. And just rest in being with Him. That our souls, again, aren't working. We're not worried about what other people are doing. At that moment, we're in heaven. And our heart's attention, our eyes' attention is fully focused on God. And He is truly an audience of one. And in that, we can rest and know that our time is done. My challenge to you. How do you close the gates? How do you find a place to just rest? 
and to just be where you can just like find my identity and like turn off the TV, turn off whatever, and just say, hey, I need, for some of us, just 15 minutes, right? We're going blown. We just need to turn off our phone, turn off the notifications, take the watch off, and just stop for 15 minutes and say, God, I just need to rest before you. I have to admit I find my identity in all these other things, and I just need to rest. What do you need to do to close the gates to rest? Because here's what I know. All of the researchers are telling us our lifestyle is causing anxiety, depression, all the stuff that we're dealing with. Most of it, they're tying back to the fact we need to rest. It's going to be there, right? Work is going to be there. All the stuff is going to be there. Just rest. Close the gates and rest. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, you have given us work to do, and we thank you for that. We give joy to that. It pays the bills. It gives us purpose and meaning. But Father, you also want us to rest. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us in this room that we would find our identity more in you than we do in our work. And we would find our identity more in you than even the other things that we pursue that are fun and hobbies, that even in that we would find more in you than even those things. Father, may we rest in you. If we've been working for our salvation, working out of a spirit of religion, Father, may we just rest in you. May we receive your yoke and just say yes to the gift of salvation through Jesus and just rest in that and quit working on something we can never achieve. Father, I pray for each one in this room this morning and online, Father, that they would know, that they would know, that they would know this week that they can rest in you. Father, would you give our souls peace that passes our human understanding because we've rested in you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.